welcome to the Inspired Autistic podcast with ZZ. This is the Youth Mental Health Charity for Autistic Young People. Thank you for joining us. Today we have Elaine Cohen um, joining us today to speak about her roles and about the new mental health transformation work that's going on in Birmingham. Elaine, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes. Hi, ZZ. Um, Really great to be here with you. My name is Elaine Cohen and I am currently the Director of Nursing and Children and People's Mental Health Strategy here alongside my team at Birmingham Women and Children's Hospital. I work with Forward Thinking Birmingham and uh, I guess you could say that I work on behalf of all of the children, young people and young adults um, in Birmingham and what we hope to do is identify the best mental health provision for our young people, um, we're a service that goes up to the age of 25. Brilliant. Thank you for that lovely introduction, Elaine. Um, but yeah, you, you got one of those roles quite recently. I remember, was it the strategy one that, that was a newer one? Yes, absolutely. Um, we're really good in the NHS at, um, at, at trying to think about key initiatives to um, change the way that we think about the way that we work and um, support and design new services. So I think that um, one of the reasons why I was invited to take on this role is because um, I've had quite a lot of experience of designing new services, Forward Thinking Birmingham being one of those. And um, having, and it's a very, a very massive privilege for me to have this role. Um, Having the expansion of my role means that um, we can meet some of the challenges of the the new landscape and the changes that will be brought about by the provider collaboratives. So I'm hoping that in my new role, I will be able to represent um, young people about the services that they want and ensure that they're involved in designing and supporting those services. So um, so, so yes, it's um, it's a new role. It's um, a really exciting time to have a role about transformation and where the purpose is to um, make changes, positive changes. Wow, that's amazing, Elaine. I can't believe you do you do so much, and you're always so busy. Don't know how you keep up. But um, just just thinking um, a bit further back, do you remember when we first met each other? I do. Yes, it was. Um, it was actually part of some work that I was doing about um, listening and talking to young people about their experiences of um, inpatient services, actually, and um, some of the challenges. And uh, and I remember when I met you, um, I have to say your reputation went before you because lots of people had spoken about um, about ZZ. So um Secretly, I was I was actually kind of I was I was really wanting to meet you. You you were a little bit of a celebrity, Zizi. Oh, am I? What, what what was my reputation before you met me? Was it a good one? I hope. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Um, one of our nurses named Rachel Stocks um was was or was saying to me, "Oh my gosh, we've got a young person who I think could really contribute to the improvements." in services that we want to make and um I I think that she would really like to speak with you so I kept badgering Rachel saying when can I speak to her when can I speak to her um and that's how I got to speak to you 
Oh, that's interesting, you know. That was interesting because I didn't know Rachel had anything to do with it. So Rachel was uh, with me when I was an inpatient. She was uh, one of the complex discharge coordinators. Um, and um, she really helped me find um, my supported living, which was um, right for me at the time that I was discharged and things. And, um, yeah, no, so I do remember Rachel very fondly. But, um, yeah, I remember when we met and... Um, yeah, I was, I was, I don't, I thought you were like some sort of, uh, I, the way that I thought of you was kind of the head of NHS England. That's, ha that's kind of what I thought you were. And, um, when you, when you came in my little room, um, in my room, um, in the ward, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm meeting a policymaker. I'm going to change policy. What if I change the mental health act and all of these things? So I got quite excited, but, um, but no, yeah. And, and now like, I feel like we've got a really good relationship and, and, um, I feel like we know each other quite well now and I'm really grateful that, that you're in my life. So just a little appreciation post there. Um, but, um, but yeah, no, it was, it was lovely to speak to you. And I think, I think having that meeting with you kind of kickstarted my advocacy and my campaigning and my will to want to go to see other policymakers and speak to people, um, who might be able to make the changes that I wanted to see. So it all started with you, Elaine. So please do know oh, that. Oh, <laughs> well, well, that's, uh, it, it, it. It's great to think that I had a part to play because um, I think you have taught me and many others um, a lot um, about about the purpose of um, our roles and uh, and how to do co-production really well. So, Zizi, I think you have you've really um, you know maybe without knowing it, you've really contributed to a whole load of improvements and a real body of evidence, which I think will influence us for years and years to come. So um, I was great to be part of that first intro with you. I have to say I was a little bit nervous because um, when I came to see you, you were so super organised. You'd got your little um, writing pad. And at the time, I don't know whether you remember, but we were doing some work around um, designing services for young people with personality and complex trauma. And you'd got so many um, really great ideas um, that, that that you gave me. I was kind of really kind of like, oh, gosh, I hope I don't let her down by not being able to um, make some of these ideas actually become a reality. But um, I, I think that we have um, spoken together at conferences. We've explored and challenged each other about some really key aspects of mental health provision, um, particularly around autism. So um, I, I hope that we've helped each other kind of grow along the way. I'd agree. I'd agree. I think we have we've grown together and that's been a really nice process to 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 have you and I think I think yeah it's just I, I could keep singing your praises but I know I've got a podcast too but I think you you just helped me so much in my own personal recovery but my my own journey with with um well, you let you let me be a change maker with you, and I'm, I'm all, I'll always be appreciative for that. Um, and like, yeah, we went to Copenhagen together, didn't we? And, and we spoke we at did. the conference there. The the picture we'll we'll put on socials um, shortly. But um, but no, it was really fun. And I think the fact that that you saw me when I was an impatient, where I was doing a little bit better, but I was still in a vulnerable place. And now you you, you saw me at my not my worst, but at a, you saw me at a bad place. And now you're seeing me in a really good place. So it's a really nice feeling to have that. Um, so thank you. It is, um, it is. Yes. But yeah, tell me more about this transformation uh, work in mental health and provider collaboratives. I know that um, many of the public don't know what provider collaboratives are, I don't really think. So could you explain a little bit more about that? 
Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, we've been participating in um, work that is moving from um, organisations just working within their own areas and on their own specialities to um, actually having organisations work together as systems, um, understanding that, that, you know, services that are designed around populations and people through pathways of care and through transitions and that are provided by multiple providers, so third sector um, organisations working together actually bring about really good outcomes for our patients. So provider collaboratives is really just um, a phrase that we use for providers to work together, um, not compete with each other, but actually work together in 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 a, in a kind of systematic in a systematic kind of more harmonious way but it's very much driven by um by co-production by feedback from our patients who use the service and it also supports organizations to use their resources and their funding and investment particularly in mental health services much more wisely so economies of scale means that, you know, lots of organisations can work together um, and provide, you know, services together, which will benefit patients. So if, if a patient requires occupational therapy, physiotherapy, a dietitian, mental health and psychological support, um, and actually they've got some physical health needs, then a provider, a provider collaborative system should be able to provide all of those things for a patient without the patient feeling like, they have to be bounced around the system or referred into different organisations for different needs. So, um, you know, I've been around for a long time, 37 years in the NHS, and we've had lots of organisations um, and changes to deal with. But I I, I honestly think that this is um, this has been identified as, as a really good move, particularly for mental health, where it's really important to work in partnership, um, particularly around autism. And I know you want to talk to me a little bit about um autism um, and service provision for young people with autism particularly but I think one of the features of our mental health provider collaborative is that it is mental health learning disability and autism so um, it, it, it includes um, all of those partners having valuable insights into what young people with autism need but then makes sure that the the system works together to provide those so I, I think I think it in a, in a really difficult time in the NHS, I think it's one of the supportive measures um, in this kind of new world that we're all operating in. Yeah, definitely, and I think I think it's it's the, there are a lot of key words there like co-production and things like that, and I feel like um, it'd be really great to see the provider collaborative model be sustainable I hope that it's not something that is kind of a phase and from the way you talk about it I feel like it hopefully it hopefully will be um able to sustain that kind of passion that um drive for kind of patient recovery outcomes and I hope that it really does work because I feel like there's been a lot in the media recently about um kind of mental health service provisions whether that's inpatient or outpatient and waiting lists and things and I think this is really hopefully the um, mental health revolution that that services need to kind of um, get the best um, 
get the best out of young people and, and make sure people are healthy and well and um you know there's an absence of suffering and, and things like that so i think i think definitely this kind of provide a collaborative thing is really exciting and hopefully it's the future and hopefully we can keep it for as long as can be um but yeah tell me more a little bit um a little bit about the autism service provision so it, birmingham is quite different in that it's 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 mental health learning disability and autism so how you know those three things they they sound similar but they're not um so i guess how do you see the provider collaborative models meeting all of those requirements and all of those needs yeah so i think um i think the first the first thing that's really important about provider collaboratives is, is that it involves um it involves patients taking part in deciding what the services look like and i think one of the um one of one of the really positive things about um, our mental health, learning disabilities and autism provider collaborative is, is that it has started with everybody thinking together about what a strategy for young people with autism um, needs to look like. And that's been incorporated in an all age um, autism strategy that's been produced um, in partnership with the local authority, with health and with education. And I think I think what that strategy does is it it explains um, it explains what services need to do with some tangible actions um, to ensure that they are providing and setting up services for young people who have autism in a way that means that service delivery is a really good quality in a way that means that service delivery is accessible and means that autism is really understood well because we've got a really well-trained workforce. Um, so I think there's there's a lot of work um, and we've been speaking to um, a lot of young people with autism and a lot of families um, where we've explored some of the key challenges for them um, in terms of key features of services that perhaps were not so good before so that we can make improvements. Um, and that there are still challenges because there's a lot of investment that's required and there's a lot of change that is needed. But I think now that we're starting to kind of really think about what that strategy needs to look like and what we need to set out, I think it does mean in the future we can run services for children, young people and adults with autism in in a way that's actually more compassionate and has better outcomes for those young people. Um, I'm not sure that that's always been the case previously. Um, I think this time, you know, um, autism isn't just bolted on to something else. Um, that actually it it, it has a place um, and uh, and and it has a platform within mental health as well. Um, so I think those are the really positive designs that we have um i i think there's still work to do um around just making sure everybody's working together to make it happen yeah and i think i think that that makes i think that's going to make a big difference in in the sense that previously um, for example, CTRs, community education treatment reviews that happen in psychiatric inpatient services and community really, like it was for those with learning disabilities and autism. But it, I think it 
at times it felt quite tokenistic that um it was just um having that requirement in services was there just to tick a box and i i hope that that isn't the case and from what from what it sounds like it isn't the case with the new um mental health provider collaboratives and I think having an all-age autism service is really interesting, but I think having an autism service at all is quite revolutionary, actually, because most services just provide mental health support um, yeah. or um, yeah. like social yeah. care, that kind of thing. So I think it's really good that that autism does have, like you say, its place. And, um, and I hope that we give a voice to autistic people and specifically autistic young people. Um, like you know the stats Elaine that I think 75% of all mental health problems start before the age of 25 but I think with autistic yeah. young people you're more predisposed to having mental health problems through through natural um, kind of difficulties um, around social um, kind of being social and, and, and different things and um, sensory experiences so I think that that autistic young people is a really key um, kind of patient group that is kind of missing out at the moment and hopefully um Ida um the charity can help with that but also some of the work that NHS is doing as well and um hopefully we can impact change in 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 lives of young people who are struggling right now absolutely and I think it's so important to invite those with lived experience who are you know experts you know on um on on on, on some of the initiatives that we need to to have in place to make the changes it's really important to ensure that I think young people have a voice in terms of influencing those changes so many services for autism have been set up in an assessment model and that doesn't necessarily support young people with autism to kind of be able to kind of cope with some of the challenges particularly through through transition growing into adulthood and you know there are some great things going on in the system at the moment for example I was hearing yesterday about um, a a new initiative um, around supporting young people with learning disability and those with autism um, separately who want to live independently with um, mortgages Um, sometimes sometimes we even forget that you know the the usual things that are afforded to um other young people aren't necessarily afforded to our young people with autism um, and learning disability and with mental health problems. So um, we're really kind of trying to use our platform, if you like, to make sure that even even things like, you know, being able to apply for a mortgage is something that's possible. Yeah, definitely. That's so powerful that kind of things that people take for granted, like neurotypical people take for granted is actually a barrier for um absolutely neurodivergent people that's really really powerful um but yeah um i wanted to um we don't have long left so i just wanted to ask um an interesting question so what's one thing that you remember a young person saying to you that you thought really stood out to you that you thought oh that's really inspirational that's really helped my line of work can you think of any examples oh gosh um lots lots of examples but i'm going to choose um i'm going to choose this one because i think it probably was um fundamentally kind of one of the changes that um that i made and i think it was on the back of of, of this, this this young person and it was around um at the time we only had services that went up to 0 to 16 
and um and at the time it was um it was trying to gain an understanding of what it was like for a young person of 16 years old to be in an adult service and have to go through that transition and um and one of the key things that they said to me was that um you know it, it if society thinks that a 16 year old who has spent two years in an inpatient unit who developmentally hasn't been able to um contribute or even um participate in usual growing up of adolescence is is ready to be an adult at the age of 16 then um we all need to pack our bags and go home because we're all working in completely the wrong way and um and and she said if there's one thing if there's one thing you need to do Elaine it's to get the people who are interested in youth mental health services to get together get the experts around the table and get the people who know what they're doing to work together and really think about special services for young people and young adults and and I guess out of that came my absolute passion um to to support and design services and really understand what works in youth mental health services wow wow Elaine and here you are now you've you've, here I am you've set up the only 0 to 25 model um that was uh, that was the first of its kind in the whole of the country really yeah it was it was the first nationally and uh and we we found out that there's only one other one in Melbourne Australia um that that is similar to um forward thinking Birmingham 0 to 25 services so yeah we're very unique yeah you are very unique because <laughs> you're part but, of it <laughs> yes 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 and and, and you birth yeah i remember when you told me about how you set up ftb and you said if ftb was a baby i birthed it <laughs> yeah. So yeah you're the nurse we, that delivered we, we, it, laugh said. About, we laugh about that yeah, yeah we do it, it does it does feel like yeah we we, we birthed we we birthed it and uh mm. and now ftb is um it, it's been through its turbulent um toddler um stages and uh it, it's now it's now seven seven years old wow gosh that yeah. is a while. that is a while yeah um so yeah and a, a last question before we we um uh give it call it a day what's one what's your favorite funny thing that has happened throughout your whole time of working in nursing and in mental health <gasps> oh my gosh well some of the funny things i probably couldn't repeat here <laughs> but um one one of the funny stories is um I um we I, I love at Christmas I just think it's a fantastic time to go out and see all of our people who work in our services and we like to give people um a little gift to say thank you and um I always dress up and this year I dressed up as um an elf with bells on and um yes it was really quite extravagant and we went out delivering all the presents and then I got a call to say I needed to be at um a very senior meeting with finance people um and very senior exec corporate people and I didn't have time to go and get changed so I had to go to this um really big fancy um meeting building meeting with very senior um serious people dressed in an elf outfit and I had to do this presentation about a bid which was um, also about a submission to provide information so that we could get some additional funding 
and it was really serious. And I was talking about all of these really serious things with these bells going off and these lights flashing and Christmas music. And I couldn't make it stop. Um, so it was just like, oh, my gosh, it was just excruciatingly because they were they were kind of like that. I think they don't they didn't know what to do at first. So they were trying to pretend it wasn't happening. And everybody was sitting there really straight faced until somebody in the end burst out laughing. And then and then we all laughed about it. But uh, people still remember that. That's hilarious. I can imagine you trying to present and like come across as professional when actually yes. you're kind of just yeah. like a little elf, Elaine the Elf. It was, it was the fact that when I when I had to walk into the room and uh, and, and because I was late, I was kind of rushing in and uh, dressed as an elf and nobody batted an eye. It was almost kind of like people were just kind of like, oh, my gosh, do we, we let's just pretend that this is like really, <laughs> really usual. <laughs> Gosh, it was gosh. it was it was funny yeah I bet I bet I bet at the time it was a bit awkward but now you can it, think about it as funny it was <laughs> it, it, it was awkward because it was it was a team I didn't know very well and um yeah I mean some of the people who I see now they still they still remember oh you're you're the elf who came to that meeting so <laughs> anyway the good news is we um I had to it was a submission for a bid for some investment monies for young people and we got the money so, oh brilliant oh, clearly clearly it yeah. worked Clearly your elfness worked, so yeah. you need to get the elf out again this Christmas. Hopefully get some more money. But no, yeah, th- thank you so much, Elaine, for sharing and for for kind of being part of this journey with Ida and kind of um coming on the podcast and things. Really appreciate it. Um and we've had a we've had we've had a great time. Um and um yeah, we wish you all the best with um your kind of new role. Um and we hope to work with you um within this provider collaborative model as well um but yeah no so um yeah that's it from us guys thank you for listening to the inspired autistic podcast mental health charity for autistic young people um we will call it a day see you guys take care thanks easy bye bye